Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. Good morning, First Family and friends. I'm so delighted to be able to join you wherever you are. And I want to say from the beginning that though I'm feeling great, I don't have a strong voice this morning, but I want you to know that I have a strong message from the Lord, and I'm excited to share it with you today. As Pastor Milt said earlier, this is not what we expected to be doing on March 22nd. For many, many weeks, we've been looking forward to a great celebration with all of our services in one room together, celebrating what God has done over the last three decades. But instead, God had another plan. He had an alternate route in mind. And none of this caught him by surprise. And as Dalton said so beautifully, he prepared us for this day. And this is the day the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Before I begin this morning's message, I want to lead us in a season of prayer. Because never before have the people of God needed to pray as much as they now need to pray. So wherever you are, watching together as a family on your smart TV or watching alone on your computer or your mobile device, would you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we need you more than ever before, Lord. We need you. We need you as a people. We need you as a nation. And Father, we want to pray for those who are struggling in many different ways. We want to pray for those, Lord, who have been diagnosed with the coronavirus. We pray for their healing and recovery that they might regain health and strength and feel your healing power in the midst of that process. Heavenly Father, we pray for the health care workers. Lord, those people who are working tirelessly to protect and to minister to their patients and to those who are concerned or already sick. Father, would you give them strength? Would you protect them? Would you keep them healthy and make them strong to do their good work? Lord, we pray for our leaders at every level, from the local level all the way to the White House. Lord, we pray for leaders that you would help them to make wise decisions that would help us to move through this crisis that would bring us out as a nation stronger and more resilient. Lord, I pray for the people of America and those across the world in the midst of this pandemic to find the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that a spiritual awakening and revival would sweep across this nation and this world in a more rapid and powerful and long-lasting way than any virus ever could. And Lord, may you bring about a broadening and deepening of your church so that the gospel of Christ might be made known and those who do not know you would come to know you by faith. Now, Lord, I pray for your presence and your power as I seek to share the message that you've given me 
for your people. Guard and guide my words, Lord. Strengthen my voice to be sufficient for your purpose. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, in this unprecedented season of uncertainty, we can be assured when everything seems out of control, our God is still in control. And he's going to bring us through this. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will emerge stronger than ever. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how our God plans things so much better than we ever could. The series that we are involved in uh, as a church is one that we planned months ago. Our pastoral team came together and we believed that at this time the alternate route series was what God was leading us to. And then the order of the messages he put on my heart and all of that was laid out before it ever brought us to this day that would cause this message to fall at this time and yet I am amazed it is exactly what my heart needed and I believe your heart needs as well. The message that God has for us in this series is that there are some things that we should not do. We're a positive people. Our faith is a positive faith. But there are a few things Jesus said don't do. And today we come to a, to a, a don't that is just phenomenally relevant for where you and I are today. And it's don't worry. Don't worry. Throughout our series, we have seen this. If you follow Christ, he will always show you a better way. And where we are tempted and prone to worry, especially in difficult and threatening times, there's a different way. There's an alternate route that he would have us to take. And he's going to show us from the scripture today a better way to respond to this crisis and the threat that it poses to all of us. It's our big idea for today's message. Replace worry with trust. Replace worry with trust. Jesus had some very clear words about worry in Matthew chapter 6. And so if you have your Bible or you have it on your mobile device or whatever means you use to read the scripture, open it to Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25, and we will hear the words of Jesus to our hearts. Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Now Jesus is talking to the disciples and think about who those men were and the lives from which they had come to follow Jesus. They were now traveling with Jesus, going about the countryside, spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. And they had no reliable source of income. And all of these men had working backgrounds. They had come from, from making a living, earning a wage so that they could support their needs and their family. Many of them were fishermen. 
and they were dependent upon the fish that they caught and sold at market to provide for their needs. Even Matthew was a tax collector, a less than reputable occupation to be sure, but nevertheless, he put in work that produced revenue. And so there was a cause and effect, but now they're following Jesus and there's no identifiable future source of income. And the disciples, I'm sure, began to wonder, where are we going to get the money for food? How are we going to even provide for, for clothing and shelter and the basic needs of life? And as they began to worry about these things of life, Jesus had a lesson for them and for us. You'll see that Jesus will teach them that your life is so much more than what you worry about. And so hear his words as he continues in verse 26 as he uses an illustration from nature. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. Now look, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? What is the cause of worry? What is it that originates that in our, our spirit and our mind to the point that it disturbs our peace? I tell you, it's because we doubt. We doubt that God will take care of us because we doubt that he loves us and that we're valuable to him. We don't want to admit that we doubt that, but that is the root of worry because Jesus said we matter to God and that he would take care of us. But somewhere within us, we doubt that that's really true. Somewhere deep in the psyche of every responsible person, there is a voice that is saying, if I don't take care of me and mine, nobody else will, not even God. Now, don't misunderstand, we are called to live responsibly. We are called to work productively. We are called to be diligent, and God gives us opportunities to do that. Those are gifts from God that he provides, and we're to respond faithfully. But there are times in which we realize that even when we do all that we can, it's not enough, and that in reality, we are dependent on God. We are dependent on a God, but he's a God who's faithful and a God who keeps his promises. Look at what Jesus said in verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Does worry help you to be more secure? Does worry help you to have what you need? Does worry help you to have peace and to be able to sleep at night? And we all know the answer to Jesus' hypothetical question is no. No, it doesn't. And so he goes on in verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. 
and look. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, look, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus is telling us that the core of worry is a distrust that God can and will take care of us, a doubt that God won't be faithful to fulfill his promise, a doubt that we are important enough to him that he would provide for our needs. And and it's times like this of uncertainty that brings that distrust and that lack of faith bubbling to the surface, exposing its ugliness to our heart. In good times, we take God for granted. But hard times tests our faith. So Jesus said, verse 31, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But look, child of God, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. He knows your needs, and he's going to take care of you. He knows your needs. He knows your needs. And so when he says, don't worry, we ask ourselves, then what is the do? We've said earlier in the series that with every don't that Jesus gives us, there is an alternate route. There's a better way. There's a do to correspond to that don't. So what is the do to don't worry? He tells us in verse 33, And it comes with a promise. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. You see, it's these times that rearrange our priorities. It's these times that restructure and strengthen our faith. It's these times that help us to understand how we need to trust God. And only when our priorities are right can our hearts be at rest. We can't relegate the Lord to back up quarterback in our lives and then expect him to pay all the bills. We are to seek him. We are to trust him. We are to follow him. And if we do that, we can put our tomorrow in his hands and be safe. Jesus continues, verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Church, I'm just going to be transparent with you for a moment. I had a time this week in which I began to to look ahead and and thinking being a good leader meant to to think about what might happen and to begin to plan and and to to pray. And and as I thought about what could happen to the economy, I I began to, to think what's going to happen for our people and what about those who are struggling the most and and what about and what about and tomorrow began to close in on me. 
And then I had to remember the sermon that I hadn't even preached yet and what God had spoken to my heart that I had to embrace before I could compel you to do so. And so I, I say, God is telling us, don't borrow from tomorrow. Don't borrow from tomorrow. Trust him for today. Trust him for today. We know this, but for some of us to get there in our hearts and in our spirit, we need a mindset adjustment. We need a faith and trust booster. So I, I want to compel you today to believe God. Believe not just with your mind. Believe with your heart and your spirit and your very being. Let me go over it with you again. Believe. Believe that God loves you and that you matter to him, that you're important to him. You're his son or his daughter, and he has not forgotten you, and he never will. Believe that God loves you and you matter to him. Believe that God knows what your needs are. You think that, that you're out on an island all by yourself, and what if you don't have this, and what if you don't have that? God knows your needs. He understands your needs even better than you understand. Believe that God will provide what you need when you need it. He will provide what you need when you need it. Church, here's what we must understand in these days. Every time that God calls on you to believe him more deeply, he's giving you an opportunity for your faith to grow. Let it grow. Let him do what he wants to do. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Trust in your God. I remind you of these familiar words from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that I pray will be more powerful than ever before in our hearts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will and all you do. And listen, and he will show you which path to take. What he's saying to us today is if you trust him fully, he will guide you one step at a time. One step. You won't be able to see 10 steps ahead. You won't know exactly what's in the road that's yet to come. But if you trust in him fully, he will guide you one step at a time. Because here's the reality. Your path through this virus-initiated journey is different than my path. And it's different from anybody else's path. But it's a path God has laid out for you. And he will take you through that path one step at a time. And so as you're negotiating your way down the path on your journey through this season, when you're seeking the next step and you're wondering how could it possibly work together, I want to give you one more scripture to rely on. And I challenge you to take this to your heart. Listen carefully to every word of Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray 
about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Can you see that's a conditional promise of God? If you want, verse 7, in times of trouble and uncertainty, obey verse 6. If you want to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, peace that will guard your mind and your heart, then don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God your needs and thank him for all that he's done. Church, I want to leave you with four next steps. They're important, so stay with me, and then we're done. I want to challenge you with all my heart to do these four things so that you won't worry. Number one, begin each day declaring your trust in God. Let the first thing you say be to the Lord, and let it be something like, Lord, I do believe. Help me to believe more. Lord, I do trust you. Help me to trust you more. Let that be the declaration you make to start every day. Number two, if you struggle with worry, then I want to challenge you to read aloud the passage that we began the message Matthew 6, 25 through 34. If this is a struggle, I want you to read that aloud. I want you to hear from your own voice the words of Jesus to your heart when he says, don't worry. Let the truth of that passage seep deeply into your spirit. Read it aloud every day. And then number three is for all of us, and I challenge you to do this. Memorize. Commit to memory so that you can quote it verbatim, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. These have been my life verses for the last 50 years. I memorized them 50 years ago from the Living Bible. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. And I have quoted that to myself hundreds of times when I was tempted to worry. The word of God has power. Hide it in your heart. And when you begin to worry, quote the word of God and let the promise of scripture strengthen your spirit. And then finally, pray. And then pray some more. And then pray some more. People of God, you are precious to Cindy and to me and to all of our pastors. We are praying for you daily. We are thankful for 30 years that we have been so abundantly blessed to serve and to lead. We love you. God will get us through this. 
and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will come out stronger than ever. But while we're making our way through this journey, don't worry. Replace worry with trust. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for the most wonderful people on the planet. Lord, I'm so grateful for the family of faith, so diverse, so representative of every generation. Thank you for your call to engage every generation to become Christ followers. And Lord, we're learning how to do that together. And we're learning how to do that through an unprecedented pandemic. And yet, Lord, we believe that great revival can come out of this season. Lord, let it be so, so that the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ might be made known to all people and Magnolia's first can engage every generation to become Christ's followers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, First Family. Join us again next Sunday at 10 a.m. as we live stream worship together.